Welcome to the New Hope Leeward podcast. Well, how's it, New Hope Leeward? Can we thank Moy and Rose for their testimony? They were here at the last service. Hello, New Hope Leeward. I am alive. My name is Josiah Norgan. I'm the senior. Hey, thank you. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. Did I lose weight? No, I didn't. Okay, so uh, good to see you. Good to be back. Welcome those of you here at Coppola, those of you joining us online, wherever you're watching from, we're so glad that you're here. I haven't preached in a, in a little over a month. I'll tell you where I've been, tell you what's been going on. But I do want to give a, a huge shout out and a huge thank you uh, to our entire team and all of our, our yeah, serve teams here at the church and Pastor Art, Pastor Alec, and Pastor Justin for all giving amazing messages. Amen. Okay, yeah, so good. Some of you are like, go back on vacation. Maybe I will. Okay, no, 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 I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I had the pleasure of going to a conference for our denomination Foursquare uh, all the way up in Florida. My entire family came, so my wife, uh, all five of our children, we made a, a great trip out of it as well. I have stories for you because it was, I mean, traveling with that many kids is just crazy. So in the coming weeks and months, you know, we can unpack all of those. But I do want to say this. It honestly was a really great trip. One of the best we've ever taken. Normally, I show you the worst family photo from the trip. But today, I'm going to flip it on you. I'm going to show you the best one because we did something we've never done as a family before. We took a photo where all children are looking at the camera. Everybody. <laughs> never happened. No, never. Yeah. And I, and, and I do want to make mention of this because one of us almost isn't looking at the camera. It's me. Okay. So, <laughs> so how you doing, bro? You're tired. Yes, you are. Okay. So that's where I was uh, towards the end of this trip. I wasn't high. I promise. My wife and I, we did direct flights both ways to Florida. So 10 hour uh, flights with all five kids. Uh, absolute uh, madness. We were all healthy the entire trip until we got home, and then we were sick as a family for about two weeks, and um, finally we are here. And while we were struggling, so if you've ever been sick with children, it's like the worst thing on earth, and we're all at home with all the kids, and I've, I've gone on record many times saying I love, I love all my children so, so much. We're also not, not having any more, like we're done and one night, uh, we get, this is absolutely true, we get Panda Express, and you know, Panda Express, you get a little fortune cookie, it'll tell you something like, you're a wonderful person, or something like that. And we open uh, the Panda Express fortune, and the fortune said this, okay? Your boundless heart will make room for one more. <laughs> one more what? Scoop of fried rice? Like, <laughs> Like, miss me with that prophecy. What did Pastor Alex say? I'm having children like I'm trying to win a contest or something like that last week, right? It's very good to be back. Last week, we started this brand new series uh, called Interruption. Now, in, in this series, we're looking at different stories in the Gospels, and we're looking at these stories of Jesus interrupting the lives of people in a moment. And these stories don't just serve as history. They're beautiful reminders that our Savior still interrupts stories today. Would you say amen? And he does it for his glory, and he does it for our good. Still does it today, and that's how we're going to be showing you a lot of testimonies from people in our church as well. Last week, Pastor Alec, uh, he walked us through the disciples being called by Christ. If you missed it, I encourage you to watch it online on our app. Great, great message and today it's going to be somewhat of a follow-up. We're going to fast forward the story just a little bit, and we're going to look at the disciples 
in the storm. So if you have your Bible, you can open up with me to Mark 4, and we're gonna be in uh, verses 35 through 41, just seven verses, okay? We're gonna take it pretty much verse by verse today. And there's a lot happening in just this very short story. So we're fast forwarding just a little bit, not too far. Jesus has just called now all 12 of the disciples. He's been teaching all day on a boat to this large crowd that is standing on the shoreline. So let's jump in, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boats. There were also other boats with him. So took him along as he was, meaning they didn't pull up to shore to say bye to the crowd or do any ministry. They said bye to the crowd right there and began sailing in the evening time. And then it became nightfall. Sea of Galilee wasn't that big. It's about 13 miles at its longest, about eight miles at its widest. And this journey, many commentators say, was only about five miles. It was a routine trip. Jesus is exhausted. And this is one of those times where we see that though Jesus was fully God, he was also fully man. There were times in which he got tired. There were times in which he got hungry. And this is one of those moments where he's been teaching all day. He's exhausted and he falls asleep in the back of the boat. And with many of the disciples being fishermen, I'm sure they were like, yeah, Jesus, go take a rest. Let the professionals handle this. You're on our turf now. If we see a blind fish or something, we'll wake you up. You know what I mean? Just rest back there. Because if I was a disciple, this would be my opportunity to show Jesus what I can bring to the table. This is what I can actually bring to serve you. And they sure show Jesus what they're made of. Look at verse 37. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Swamped means waves were crashing over this tiny boat and it was beginning to fill with water to the point that the boat was beginning to sink into the water. Okay, let's just pause here for a moment. So they sailed directly into the storm. Now, whose idea was it to sail at that moment? Jesus, it was his idea. Now, I don't believe, this is me personally, because we don't know from scripture, I I don't believe that Jesus conjured up this storm, but he allowed it to happen. And he sailed them right into the middle of it. And let's just get this out of the way. That's not fair. Jonah got put into a storm because of his disobedience. The disciples here find themselves in a storm because of their obedience. It might've been nice to be with Jesus all day in the boat while Jesus is teaching the crowds parables and then he turns to the disciples, he's unlocking the parables. It must've been really nice to be with Jesus in the boat before, but not so much now. Because all those people that got to hear Jesus, they're all at home eating dinner and the disciples are now knocking on death's door. It doesn't seem fair to me. And this is how I react when things happen to me. I realize that I treat trials and loss and pain and rejection betrayal, sadness, and storms, like interruptions, as if the faithful, we should all be exempt from any kind of storm. But here's the thing. You can write this down. Storms are promised, even to the faithful, especially to the faithful. Storms are promised to you and I. There's a lot of scriptures where we love the, we love the promises of Christ. 
And in John 16, 33, we love the promises that come at the end, but it's only after we skip over the first promise. Look at what Jesus says. In this world, this is a promise. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And I realize this, and you probably do this too. The way that I read this verse is like this. You go to the next slide. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, right? Have hope. I have overcome the world. We wanna move right into the hope. We wanna move right into the overcoming. We want testimonies that are finished, but we don't want ones that are still being written. But can I tell you, Moy and Rose, that testimony you heard, that testimony is still being written. Like they're still in the process of recovery. You and I, we want happily ever afters. We want everything to be wrapped up now. We want nothing but smooth and calm seas. But the promise made to the faithful before hope and before overcoming is trouble. Now, trouble in the Greek is thlipsis. And this word, you're gonna hear this word and be like, yes, I know what that is like. Trouble means pressure. It actually means to be pressed. You will feel pressed. You will be pressed in this life. Pressure will overtake you at times where you feel like you cannot go on and you have reached the end of yourself. That's a promise. Now look at verse 37 again, and then we'll read on. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. We read that. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Now let's just say this. Brada's the heaviest sleeper of all time, amen? Even more than your Uncle Kimo sleeping in the garage, right? Like, he's the, the heaviest sleeper of all time during this storm. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, let me do my best to kind of paint this picture for you because this scene, it unfolds in a matter of sentences, but I think it could have been longer than a matter of minutes. This was a significant storm. So much that the boat, and this wasn't, they weren't on a yacht. Like this is a little tiny boat. It's being rocked and slammed and filling with water. It's nighttime. They can't see. The book of Luke says, same story says they were in great danger. These were experienced fishermen that have been in storms before on this very lake. And they are convinced that they are going to die. It was significant. Now, whenever I read this story, I always ask myself between the sentences, between the storm starting and them waking Jesus, how much time passes? Because we don't know. Is it minutes? Is it hours? How long, how long did they row with aching bones against the waves? How long did they try to hold the boat together on their own? How long did they argue with one another and scream at each other over the howling wind? How long did they try to bail water out of the boat with little to no success? How long did they try to solve the problem on their own? Why did they wait so long? And why do I often wait so long? Let me tell you a quick story. My, my dad uh, is an avid surfer and he's good, okay? My dad is better than your dad at surfing. Let's just get that out the way. <laughs> Real quick, if you don't believe me, we can, go, we can go White Plains after service, okay? 
One of my earliest memories, this is totally true, one of my earliest memories of my dad taking me surfing, Waikiki Beach, uh, like 5.30 a.m., and I'm like a little elementary school kid. I was probably like 100 pounds, and I'm sitting on the board, and I'm, and I'm shivering. I'm so cold. And my dad, being the kind, tender-hearted father that he is, rode past me on a wave and yelled, it's warmer in the barrel, son. And I just kept going, just left me out there, okay? How he's always been. Now, many years passed by, and in, uh, this was uh, 2006. I'm 21 now. If you were here in Hawaii during that time, you remember when it, it rained for 40 days straight here on Oahu? Yeah, some of you were building arcs at home. We didn't know it was going to happen. So it was just raining, and they, they dumped 48 million gallons of raw sewage into the Alawai. Remember that? They dumped them right into the Alawai. It wasn't any worse because it's always been dirty, but it went out into Waikiki Beach, and so they were saying, do not go in the water. It is bad for your health. Don't go in the water. So my dad comes into my room and he says, hey, no one's surfing right now at Waikiki. Do you want to go? And I was like, bro, not even Eddie would go. Okay. Like, <laughs> no, like ain't, ain't nobody, nobody's going for a reason. I'm going to get hepatitis. And he, sure enough, he surfs all week. And all week he talks about how he's the greatest surf ever. And this is absolutely true. As you've probably just heard more recently, there, there's 24 million gallons being dumped into White Plains right now, and they're like, don't go surf or don't go in the water at White Plains. Guess who went surfing at White Plains this morning? My father, who is 95% radiation at this point anyway. You know, it, just, it doesn't matter. He's immune. Now, you and I, like, during that time in Waikiki, like, um, like a, a little bit later on, after things kind of settled, the water was still bad, but I remember the water began to look clear. And I've realized that you and I, as, as Christians, we often can look like that, where the surface looks really good, but there's a lot of unhealth that exists below the surface. Now, I don't, I don't want to brag. I don't want to brag, but I will just a little bit. I'm so faithful when my life is going good. So faithful. I am so worshipful when, when God is blessing me. I, I am so good at walking out my faith when every Thing is working out for me. And I can even fool myself to be like, I'm doing such a good job. But storms, they have a way of churning the water underneath the surface. They have a way of churning water in our hearts and kind of bringing all of the unhealth to the surface. Let's put it this way. In storms, you will learn more about yourself than you will learn about God. Would you say amen? Now we'll blame him will question his character, but his character does not change with your circumstances, but ours does, a lot. And I have learned this about myself, and maybe you've learned this about you. In, in storms, I've learned that I'm very addicted to control. I learned that I'm a very prideful person. I'm very slow to ask for help. I have learned in storms that maybe I don't trust Christ as much as I thought I did. But I've also learned in storms that even in the face of my faithlessness, God is still faithful. Would you say amen? Still faithful. And we see it in this story. They wake up Jesus with the phrase, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? We, meaning you as well, we are all going down. What a faithless phrase. It speaks to their hopelessness the loss of the battle, not only in the physical, but in their spirit and in their mind as well. The phrase speaks not only to their hopelessness, but even their doubt of Christ. 
Not only are they doubting his ability to save them, they are doubting even his desire to save them, doubting his very character. But in the face of our faithlessness, God is still faithful. Look at the text, 39. He, he meaning Jesus, got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Rebuked in the Greek, it's the same word that he, that's used when he rebuked demons. Same word to this storm. And it's a poignant reminder that while the storms we battle, yes, many times they feel like they are in flesh and blood. They are very much a spiritual and a mental battle as well. Would you say amen? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And I imagine it it happens in this moment, right? The wind, the rain, the waves, the noise just stops. Turbulent waters turn to glass and chaos is replaced with calm. You can write this down. Here's another promise for you. Storms are promised, but so is his presence. Storms are promised, but so is his presence. That the promise for us as believers is not that we will never go through the storm. The promise is that when we do, he will be in the boat with us. Psalm 139 verse seven, the psalmist says, Lord, where can I go from your spirit? Like, where can I flee from you? If I go up to the heavens and life is good and seas are calm and it all makes sense, Lord, you're there. And then he says, if I make my bed in the depths, if I hit rock bottom and the storm is raging and Lord, I don't see you and nothing makes sense in my life. He says, Lord, somehow, some way you are there too. The promise that the promise keeper makes to us is that he will be with us to the very end of the age and he's not about to start breaking promises now. Would you say amen to that? not going to start now. Storms are promised, but so is his presence. In 2018, um, I, I was going through this like really rough time and you wouldn't know it by looking at me like things were going good here at the church, just preaching. Life was, life was pretty good, but I was fried. And there was not like one storm. I can't even remember what they were. It wasn't like one storm. There was like multiple all happening at the same time, and I felt pressed. And you know when you're in that place, and you might be there right now, you're holding on just enough to be okay. Like you're bailing enough water out of the boat that day just so you can kind of get out of bed and function. On the outside, you look great, but on the inside, you're struggling. Jesus is in the boat, absolutely. But maybe you've just forgotten about him. For me, it kind of came to a head. There's all this stuff going on in my life. And Saturday night, I, I preached two services at Waipalo. After service, a family comes up to me, big local family, and they ask if I can pray with them. One of their family members had just committed suicide uh, that week prior. And they asked if I would just pray with them for comfort. I'm looking around at mom and dad and cousins and brothers and sisters. This is heartbreaking. And then the part that broke me was they said, and here's his son. So the man that committed suicide, they bring forth his son, about seven years old. And his son was about the oldest, or about the same age as my oldest son at the time. And I hold it together 
I wrap my arms around the boy. I hold it together. I pray with the family. I hold it together. Get all my stuff. Say bye to everybody. Hold it together. I get in the car and I just lose it. And I just, I just start weeping. And it was this, uh, I have this beautiful space that I talked to God. I'm, I'm bummed that they're building on it now. But uh, between the Waipahu campus and Kapole, there's that dark farmland. Uh, me and the Lord have had it out on that road a couple of times, okay? And that might sound really, really not biblical to you. Like, oh my gosh, like you talk to the Lord like that and yell at him. And here's my homework for you. Go read the Psalms, okay? Because it's a bunch of people struggling with the Lord and so through gritted teeth, I start praying, and my prayer started out very holy. I was just like, God, where are you? Like, where are you? Like, what, what are you doing? Like, do you care? Do you even care? Do you see me? Do you see what is going on in my, in my life? Do you see what's going on with this boy? He's fatherless? Like, how are you good? Like, I just, I mean, every question that stayed deep down in my heart that I hid under words like, I'm blessed and I'm fine and everything's okay. It all came to the surface in one moment. And can I tell you this? God can handle it, amen? He can handle it. Everything comes out of my mouth, everything. And, 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 I, and it only took a couple minutes for everything that I've been just kind of, our, our souls just kind of end up carrying a lot. It just, I unloaded everything and there was just silence now in the car. There was nothing more to be said. And in that moment, I, I, I wish that boy could have now had a father. I, I wish that could have happened, absolutely. I wish every storm in my life could have gotten taken care of in that moment. None, none of that obviously happened. But I, I, I felt something, and what it was was the Lord. And it is the spiritual equivalent of kind of like the Lord just placing his hand on my shoulder. Because all this stuff that I'd been holding against him, all these questions that I had, all of this struggling and suffering, it came out of my mouth, came out of my heart, and I felt the Lord's hand on my shoulder, and I just started crying more. Because in that moment, that's actually all that I needed. I needed to know that he was still with me, and I needed to know that he cared. And the beautiful thing is, when you understand that God is still with you, you understand in that moment that he cares because it's part of his character. He in and of himself, he is love. So when you experience his presence, not just understanding, like God's with me because the pastor said, but when you feel his presence, you do not deny his love because when you feel his presence, you feel his love. When you feel his presence, you feel his care and compassion. And in that moment, all those feelings, same feelings the disciples had, Lord, don't you care just kind of began to go away in that moment. Now back to the story. So after Jesus calms the wind and the waves, look at verse 40. He asks a very good question. <clears throat> he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Why is there an abundance of fear? Do you still have no faith? So Jesus likes to ask questions that he knows the answer to. And he answers the first question with the second question. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no doubt? That's why you're so afraid, because you have no faith. Now, the problem wasn't fear. Everybody's got fears. You wanna hear a dumb fear of mine? Um, this is absolutely true. Every six months, I have the same reoccurring nightmare 
where I'm here at the church. I know that's not a good thing for your pastor to say. I'm here at the church, okay, on a Sunday morning. You're all here too. And the intro video is playing and I'm gonna have to be out on stage in about 30 seconds. And I can't find my notes backstage and I don't remember what I'm gonna talk about. And I'm frantically running back here while you're all waiting now for me because the intro video is over and I'm frantically trying to find my notes. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I have no shirt. And then I'm like, where's my pants? You know, like it's those kind of dreams, you know? And I just, my jeans are still here. I'm just making sure I'm not in a dream right now. Okay, so <laughs> it just reoccurred. Fears, everybody has fears. This was a significant storm. It was a near-death experience. It would be borderline psychotic if the disciples did not have fear. The problem is not fear. The problem is not having fear. Fear could have driven them to wake up Christ at the very beginning of the storm, before the boat was swamped. The problem wasn't fear. It's that their faith was non-existent in the face of their fear. In the presence of their fear, it didn't cause them to need Christ more, but it caused them to need Christ less, to try to solve this problem on, his, on, on their own and not just doubt his power, but doubt his character. Okay, last verse, verse 41. They were terrified. It's not the same fear as before. This is more of an awe and a reverence in Christ. They were terrified and they asked each other a Stupid, dumb question. Okay, look at this question. Who is this? It's about Jesus. Who is this? Just like that. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. <laughs> Come back to that stupid question. The storm, storms are promised, but so is his presence. Now, now think about this. Resting in his presence in the storm, it is all part of the faith journey. Because if you look at this story, it's early on in their faith journey. They don't worship him. They don't say, oh my gosh, you must be God. Now we know he calms this storm and they don't, they don't even know who he is. They're asking questions now. But later on in Matthew 14, okay, same lake, another storm. You know, Peter walks on water and he almost drowns and they get back into the boat and the wind and the waves calm down. It's a little bit later in their journey with Christ. Now, now, now look at their response. Look at, Matthew 14, 33. Then those who were in the boats, this is the disciples, worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So think about this. The storm that shakes their faith, it ends up solidifying their faith later on. They know who Jesus is, not because somebody told them so. They know who Jesus is because they experienced him as Lord and Savior in the middle of the storm. And you know what I love about this? I didn't write this in my notes, but I think it really needs to be said. Last week, Pastor Alec did a really great job having you and I understand that it is ordinary people that follow Christ. And I think that is so beautiful. And you and I are really good at accepting that truth in the beginning. But after we follow Christ for maybe a couple of years, maybe a decade, very slowly it becomes all about us and how well, how well we're doing. And you look at the storms over the last two years that you've been going through. And you might look at them and you might have a ton of regrets and say, I didn't call on Christ. I didn't, I didn't wait on him. I didn't take advantage of growing my faith in that moment. 
But what I love about this, you and I, we think in order to grow in my faith, I have to perfectly tumble through my storms and then I gotta dismount and I gotta land perfectly in order for my faith to then rise. But if you look at the disciples, they stumble and fall and roll and are beat up through the storm. They fail. You look at the story, they fail the test. If it was a test, they all got Fs. Everybody failed. And yet, Jesus still uses that storm in Mark 4 to build their faith in Matthew 14. What I'm saying is this. You do not need to have a perfect faith in order to grow in your faith. You are gonna stumble, you are gonna fall, you are gonna, you are gonna fail. You and I will be faithless, but Christ is still faithful. Would you say amen? amen? And so sometimes what it is, it's continuing to show up even when you don't want to. Some of you didn't want to come to church today. Some of you were dragged to church today. Some of you are kind of half watching online because you really don't want to be in church right now. But you're here. And I'm proud of you that you're here and I know that God is too. Sometimes I'm still here is still a testimony in and of itself. Would you say amen? You're still here. And the boat is not going down. Why? Because Christ is in the boat with you. There's no way. There's no way that it can go down. Trouble is promised. It's all a part of the journey and so is his presence. So learning to rest on, call upon and trust in him and fail in the middle of it. It's all part of this journey. And the more that we trust in him in the storm, the more that we learn about the one who calms them. And friends, Jesus has not changed. Would you write this down? Jesus is waiting to interrupt our storm. And so, gee, I'm, I'm gonna speculate here because I don't know. Jesus is either the heaviest sleeper on earth or he was laying there waiting for the disciples to wake him up. When the disciples finally call on Jesus, he stands up and he says, quiet, be still. And I've always read these words because it says it was for the wind. He says it to the wind. But we know that Jesus does not like to waste words. And we know that Jesus is the king of double meaning. So when he said, quiet, be still, I wonder if it was a word for the wind or I wonder if it was also a word for the disciples. And I wonder if it's a word for you. I wonder if it's a word for me. Quiet, be still. Take your hands off the rudder. Stop paddling for a moment. Stop bailing water. Stop rowing. Would you stop and be still before him? That was one of the greatest things that came out of being sick at home for weeks was I, I started this practice. I'm gonna tell it to you because I wanna be held accountable that I keep doing it. And I know that my lead elder's here, so he's like all excited. He's like, well, tell me what you did, okay? So, um, <laughs> you're gonna hold me accountable, Mike. Uh, I started just um, at like around uh, 7, 7.30, right when the sun is, is, is going down. I live in Kapolei, so you guys in Waianae, you guys have like the best view. I get to like just try to sample your view. And I've started just sitting out in my backyard. All my kids are on their devices, because that is the only way that I have a moment without them talking to me. And I go outside and I just sit. Sometimes I have my Bible, been reading through the Psalms. Sometimes I'll read a Psalm very, very slowly out loud. Sometimes I just talk to Jesus. 
Sometimes I just look at the sky and I marvel at how giant it is. And then the stars come out, how big space is. And I'm so little. I'm so little and, and tiny and gaudy. Like every star, scripture says, he knows him by name. So he's that vast, but at the same time, he knows how many hairs are on my head. That he's all powerful and he's all relational. I just kind of sit out there and I just kind of marvel at God. And there's some days I'm so tired, I'm just sitting out there and I'm just breathing, I'm breathing with the Lord. And these moments have become so sweet to me. My phone's not out there. I'm not, I'm not multitasking. It's just, just me and Jesus, quiet, be still. And I wanna do that with you today. We're gonna to quiet and, and be still, but I hope that it would, it would spur you to do it more. It would spur you to do it more right, right in the middle of the storm. And I, I want you to know this. God is going to respond when we pray. Hosea 6.3 basically says, God's response is as sure as the arrival of dawn. Now think about it. You never think about if dawn is going to arrive. Like you never go, up, go to bed at night and be like, oh my gosh, I really hope the sun rises tomorrow. We have a lot of worries, but that's not really one of them. If you wake up right before the sun rises, you're not looking at the mountains, really hoping that it comes up. You just know it does. And yet I mean, God's the one who makes it happen. And his response is as sure as that. I'm gonna, sorry, I'm just like, Lord, Lord is dealing with me. I'm gonna trust a big flaming ball like before him. The one who breathed out the flaming ball that I can't even look at unless I'll go blind. And he, it, it's sure he's gonna rise in every day. And that's as sure as his response is. And so we're gonna pray and we're gonna, we're gonna know that he's gonna respond. And we understand that sometimes he responds in the physical. There are times that he, he responds and he does something right in that moment, just like in this story. He responds like that today. Miracles still happen. And we look at, we look at Moy and, and Rose and other people in our church of all these stories of God coming through. He still comes through like that. And then there are other times, like for me back in 2018, where maybe nothing will change in that moment but there will be peace in my soul knowing that he is there. So if he doesn't calm the storms out there, he calms them within my heart. And so let's do that. Would you bow your heads with me? Whether you're here in person, you're at home. <clears throat> it's not gonna be long. I wanna give you the gift of space just for a minute. And just within the quietness of your own heart, I want you to just be honest with the Lord. In the quietness of your heart, where are you at? What is going on right now? What are you struggling with? How are you feeling? The Lord sees you, he knows you, and he cares. He's not afraid of your feelings. He's not afraid of the unhealth that exists below the amens and words that say, I'm blessed. He's not afraid of what is down beneath your heart. You might be, but he's not. And I want you to just be honest with the Lord. What's going on? Where are you at and how are you feeling about it? And for some of you, you might need 10 minutes. You might need, you might need an hour with the Lord and that's okay. Take that time later. But just, just you and the Lord for a moment. Where are you at? What's going on? How are you feeling? And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray us out this morning. Just talk to him. He's there.
I know this, this word might be for somebody at, at, at home right now that's watching. You feel like the Lord doesn't even see you or he doesn't even want to see you. Maybe that's why you're not even here. Can I tell you, he sees you. Wherever you're at, whatever's going on, however dark the night may be right now, however loud the storm, he sees you. And maybe it felt like he's been silent, but his silence does not mean absence. He sees you. Lord God, I, I, I pray this. Before we even pray for the storms, I pray that we would feel the spiritual equivalent of your hand on our shoulder. And that might feel different for all of us. For some of us, it might feel like just warmth. For some of us, it might feel like peace. For some of us, it might feel like our, our shoulders are kind of loose for the first time in a long time. For some of us, it might feel like tears. Would you give us the blessed assurance in our soul that God, maybe even if we've walked out on you, God, you have not walked out on us even if we've ignored you and we're bailing water out of the boat and we're tired, God, you're still there. And you've been waiting for us to call on you. And so right now, God, we humbly ask you, would you show up in a way that only you can? Maybe we don't even know what to do. We don't know where to go from here. And you know what? We don't need to have every single part of the problem solved right now. We just need to know that you're here because you are power and you are might and you are love. We just need to know that you're here. We pray for the storms that are going on right now. And we all have, I think almost every single person here can say they're going through something right now or somebody close to them is going through it and they're bearing the weight of that storm. And God, we ask that you would show up in a way that only you can and that we would not be content with just a Sunday morning prayer, but would we quiet and be still before you and understand that, God, you are at work even when we don't see it. You're moving and we, even when we don't see it. We don't just sing about it, we understand it. If we ask that you would show up, would you calm storms? Not just on the outside, not just in the physical, would you calm the storms within our spirit? Calm the storms within our hearts not just so that we can be okay and forget about it and move on, but so that even if we're still in the middle of this storm, Lord, we can rest in you. The boat's not going down. It's not because we're so good at paddling. The boat's not going down because Jesus, you are with us. We love you, Lord. We love you. We trust you. And we pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus. And we all say together, church, amen. amen. Can we give our Lord a hand this morning? We hope you were blessed by this weekend sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, 
newhopeleeward.org to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.